Welcome to Commerce Talks, episode number 56. Today, my guest is Constanze Freinstein, Managing Director Europe for Lens End, a very big brand with $1.7 billion in revenue, an e-commerce first brand, I would say, which is surprising because the roots of Lens End are clearly uh, brick and mortar. And um, I've analyzed this brand already in the podcast together with Florian Heinemann, and we actually found a very interesting stuff about Lens End, about the distribution strategy, uh, and about how to transform a traditional brand into an e-commerce first brand. Constanze adds very interesting new learnings um, about this journey, and I guess many other brands that are struggling right now to get rid of the brick and mortar channels can learn from the Lens End story. Okay, let's hear what Constanze has to say about the Lens End story. Constanze, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast and maybe the Kassenzone podcast that we will discuss later um, on. Today we are talking about uh, Lens End, which we covered already in our monthly Heinemann uh, uh, podcast. Uh, and I just received the transcription of this podcast. And uh, yeah, I, I, I must say maybe I've described the uh, uh, the assortment from Lens End in the not so glamorous perspective. But uh, now we can well, now we can change this view. So uh, welcome. Maybe tell us a little bit about you, uh, and then Lens End, and then we'll deep dive into the business of Lens End. Thank you, Alex, and thank you very much uh, for having me and uh, inviting me to e-commerce talks. Uh, um, my pleasure. Um, just a bit uh, on myself. Uh, I'm the managing director for Lens End Europe, um, and uh, leading. Uh, our company into uh, e-commerce digital growth uh, in our region, um, held several uh, customer um, uh, officer and CMO positions uh, um, prior to my role as managing director with Lens and Europe and uh, started my career in marketing. And uh, um, I'm pretty sure you would describe Lens and a little bit different than uh, uh, than we described it in the in the monthly Heinemann. So if you can describe it, and then we will definitely go into the sales channel and and assortment. Uh, how, how do you do uh, um, uh, for people that don't know Lens and or never touched a catalog uh, from Lens and, for example? Certainly. Um, so Lens and is an e-commerce company. Our company has been founded by Gary Coma in 1963. It's an American heritage brand. Its origins are in sailing and yachting, uh, which was a, um, a passion uh, of uh, Gary's. Um, and uh, Gary set up his shop uh, on hardware uh, and equipment and then soon transitioned into uh, apparel and fashion as that was uh, one of the um, fast-selling assortments. In fact, uh, um, something that uh, not many people um, might remember is that uh, Lands End was actually one of the first companies uh, to launch a web shop early, early in the 90s. Um, so we have a uh, deep-rooted um, DNA in being an e-commerce company. Mm. And uh, right now, preparing for uh, um, further digital, digital growth uh, and uh, yeah, setting our growth agenda for uh, upcoming years. Yeah, when I told my wife uh, that I'm I'm recording a podcast with uh, with you with uh, with uh, Lens N managing director, she said, "Yeah, Lens N, I know this brand. It's cool. Uh, uh, my mom has a lot of stuff from uh, uh, Lens N. So obviously, it's a it's a well established brand uh, where the pitch is about uh, we are getting you comfy or something like this. Uh, um, well done, Alex. Uh, it's actually let's get comfy. 
Let's um, get uh, let's get comfy. Uh, uh, but it was for something was comfy, uh, and uh, and uh, the, um, the the business was um, was catching my eye uh, during the months behind a month podcast because a you reported um, your quarterly figures, and uh, this was one of the very few verticalized um, fashion companies that did very well during Corona, and then I wondered how can that be. <laughs> and it, it's 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 a particularly old business, and uh, um, also you've been starting with e-commerce rather early. So it it was uh, it was a business pretty much focused on the brick and mortar channel as an integrated part of Sears. Also, there were many shop in shop thing I think concepts as uh, Sears. Uh, and maybe you can uh, you can give here some historical background uh, where um, uh, when it was acquired by Sears, what happened then, and why you are describing yourself now as an e-commerce company because that is rather unusual uh, um, uh, for, for for the Lens and brand, I would say. Yeah, there's certainly a stage um, um, when the company um, worked in partnership was owned actually by uh, by Sears, and that um, did um, open and was one of the reasons for the acquisition, I assume, um, to also leverage um, mm. brick and mortar space um, to uh, to present the brand. Um, this ended in 2013. Uh, and since then, the company has reshaped the um, uh, strategy and growth agenda. And I fast forward to 2017, because 2013 is, is long ago. Um, 2017, our current CEO, um, uh, Jerome, came on board. And with Jerome, we defined our strategy based on five pillars. Uh, and that has led us from strength to strength, has um, helped us to solidify our position as leading e-commerce player. Um, strategy being based on product, of course, on digitalization, on unichannel strategy, uh, as well as investment in process and systems uh, and being a great place to work, um, which is very, very important as well. Um, so that has um, pretty much uh, um, set us on a, on a very strong growth trajectory. And this is uh, what then resulted in what you've read, um, our financial year 2020 and Q1 um, results. And just recently, we've also raised our expectations for Q2. So we are continuing to perform really well. Uh, and that is mainly driven by e-commerce um, our business, which is more than 95% of, uh, of what Lens Atlas does. Can you describe the transition from being a brick and mortar shop and shop concept to an e-commerce um, uh, business uh, a bit more in detail? Because so my understanding was that so Lens End had um, had uh, uh, um, flagship stores, so where only Lens End was uh, sold. Then it was an, uh, uh, then then Sears was a very important part until then 2014 uh, until the company then uh, uh, parted away with uh, uh, with Sears. But I would expect that. The majority of the customers uh, was uh, was pretty much used to the brick, brick and mortar um, um, channel. So it's not a, it's not a super hip product. So it's something you need on an everyday basis, and people were used to buy it in brick and mortar channels. So um, how did this kind of transformation happen then uh, from 2014 to um, until today? And there's like new partners and new brick and mortar channels coming up. We will talk about that later. But especially mm -hmm. the first. But it must be must have been very hard actually to lose so many uh, uh, point of sales. Yes, certainly. Um, but I think the strong focus on establishing and growing the company as a digital company um, was what uh, led us through that transitional phase. Um, uh, but but what what does it mean? So 
um, focusing on the digital company. So that, that can be everything. So, and there's, there's many managing director of still failing verticalized fashion brands here uh, trying to understand, okay, how can I get rid of my uh, uh, physical point of sales? It's not working. It's too expensive, especially during Corona that was, uh, uh, that was proven. So uh, what exactly have you done to lure so many customers in your digital uh, channels? Was it, I don't know, a big marketing campaign in 2014 and 15 uh, uh, focusing on, on Google ads and, and Facebook, or was it, Uh, was it done over time by uh, uh, by different strategy? Though that's a very interesting question here. Yeah, you don't transition um, out of brick and mortar in you know um, months. So that was a transition process. However, um, over that period of time, I want to say what, what was driving um, the success um, and establishment of of, of an e-commerce um, company was certainly um, uh, vision, passion for the channel understanding the uh, potential and the power uh, and the future of that channel. And then um, as an except, setting up the infrastructure, platform, product, um, adapting processes, investing in systems, bringing in the right capabilities. And if you look into the change in the senior leadership team and that, and then um, translated, you know, into the organization, um, this is what happened in the company was the right, you know, minds, the right capabilities, the right, you know, passion and vision, um, transforming that company into a e-commerce company, thinking and living and executing processes and having the systems in place um, to, to fully leverage that potential. When you're looking uh, on, on your org chart today, how many uh, people are responsible for the user experience and digital channels from the whole org chart? Aren't we all kind of working um, to deliver a good user experience That's a I very good. That's a very good answer, but uh, uh, not not the one I was looking for. Yeah, um, I understand. So our teams um, in in you know our e-commerce department, our you know customer facing channel, um, certainly is one of our largest teams, and this is also where um, a lot of our investment goes. Um, but as you can imagine, we are brand, we are fashion brand. So we also have teams um, working on design, on merchandising, on buying. And uh, um, as we have to deliver, we have sourcing, we have planning as well, um, with marketing. Um, but certainly um, in our organization, e-commerce has a, a, a prominent position and particularly um, our UX, but also our CX teams um, are the teams that we're investing in most. And within the digital channel, so um, I saw on your website that I think like from a pure technology stack, you're pretty much focused on the um, on, on the Salesforce suite. So you're just, it, this is pretty much outsourced, like the um, the experience side for commerce. Is there is there any native things you have developed like the CRM system? Because um, I imagine um, the way how you reach out to your customers uh, via personalized emails, maybe even uh, call centers uh, uh, could make could make a difference. So is, is there something where you say, okay, that's, that is something where Lens and in this category is really leading. So that, that makes a difference why we, are, why we are closer to the customer than maybe other companies that are also selling comfy stuff. Yeah, I, I guess we're not trying to compete with Oracle and Salesforce, 
I think that, you know, would not be our, you know, um, strong suit. However, what we do is we fully leverage the um, possibilities and opportunities um, that are provided by, for example, Salesforce, our demandware um, platform. We're using partners, um, Dynamic Yield, um, to uh, enable um, our customer journey. And I do want to say that we have... Um, uh, a state-of-the-art leading customer journey that we're continuously further enriching, enhancing um, for, for for our customer journey. And then the company is ultimately customer-focused and we always thrive to deliver a better customer journey every day. Um, we are looking at uh, um, uh, an advanced situational personalized recommendation um, flows throughout the uh, customer journey we are trying to uh, to almost replicate that enriched you know brick and mortar experience if you browse a shop mm. sometimes it can be a little technical when you're on your pmp or your pdp um, so we try to enrich and enhance um, this as much as possible to generate a, a, a good a satisfying and deep um, experience with our customer we even try to bring um, uh, to the attention things that are intuitive um, that the customer will like at this next deck, mix and match, uh, which is enabled by our wonderful whole house prints. Um, and we do know that customers buy into whole house print uh, when they love one item in that particular pattern. Um, so uh, I want to say leveraging what we can get from our partners and then further developing it and, and creating that unique state of the art you know, customer journey is what our teams um, do so well. And um, looking also looking back on again looking back to on 2014, have you been an international brand already in 2014? Was it a known uh, brand in uh, in Europe, Germany, UK, for example? In fact, it was. Um, we are celebrating 25 years in uh, Germany today, and we have celebrated 25 years in the UK. So we have been around um, for quite a while, both on mainland Europe um, as well as um, in the UK. Um, uh, the uh, the introduction um, of the brand to the market was uh, quite spectacular as we came in with a, um, until then, unknown um, service statement, which we keep up uh, um, uh, until today, which is uh, um, customer service, no matter what, um, you can return no matter what. Um, and we do stand by this, um, although it is no longer our main claim. Um, that is still the service we guarantee. And uh, the, how important are the online channels in uh, in Europe? Or is there? Well, I can I can turn the question around. Is there any important brick and mortar channel in a sh sh uh, shop in shop environment, like in Pick and Kloppenburg, for example, or are there flagship stores, for example? We are exclusively e-commerce digital um, in Europe. And that is also um, our mid-term growth strategy. We will further and fully leverage our, our e-commerce and digital capabilities. I should add, though, we do have two shops, and they're associated with our headquarters in Europe and our headquarters in the UK. But uh, before, like, let's say 2010, uh, uh, what was then the main channel? Was it the mail order? So I... I, 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 I I can. I try to understand how my mother-in-law. Uh, if it's only on, it's if it's only online only, then uh, I, it would be very hard for her to uh, to shop there because she has not. <laughs> yeah. So when we entered the market, this was in a in a dual approach: catalog and uh, and web, um, mm. uh, online shop. Um, however, and and why we still have you know some very loyal customers. 
uh, and appreciate your mother-in-law. Be a very loyal customer of ours for years, for decades. Um, we have still some very loyal customers coming in via our customer care center, and we are very, very happy to assist. However, uh, majority, by far majority of our business is online. And we have seen another shift um, uh, during COVID in the past 18 months, where a lot of our loyal customers that used to call in now also are more comfortable um, to use our online um, so services. There's no catalog anymore available? Absolutely, there is a catalog and there will oh. always be a catalog. However, that catalog right now is a marketing means and that drives okay. a lot of online traffic. Very, ah, very okay. valuable online no, that, traffic. That must yeah. explain how, how she how she yes. how she knows uh, how she knows about the brand. Okay, let, let us talk about like custom acquisition because uh, uh, you already mm -hmm. shared that um, the uh, numbers are growing, um, especially growing online. Um, that's not uh, the case for all e-commerce businesses. You might have seen the numbers from eBay yesterday evening, <laughs> disastrous yes. uh, numbers. So even the old uh, uh, Demon's Hours mm -hmm. might have uh, some hard times now. Uh, but you are managing it obviously well. So when I saw the quarterly statement, uh, if I remember correctly, we're talking 20% plus growth quarter per quarter, uh, quarter over quarter. That's right. Uh, 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 um, which, which is quite something. You're at 1.2% billion dollar in total revenue so more or less so but the dimensions are right i more i think we are looking at closing at 1.7 what 1.7 yeah i uh, i i will blame florian heinemann uh, for that wrong number <laughs> i think it was in the transcript okay but 1.7 1.7 um and um and you're focusing online so and that leads me to the next uh, uh classic question of custom zone and commerce uh, commerce talk so where do you get your customers? Where do you find your customers in these days? Yeah. So indeed, our customer um, file and particular buyer, buyer file um, has been uh, growing tremendously last year and it is continuing um, to grow um, strongly. Last quarter saw 27% growth and we're continuing on that same um, trend. Um, Buying customers and buying file, I have to say, is based on actually two legs. One is new customers, and I come to your question and answer your question on new customers. But let me also point out active customers. Those customers who have been buying before are engaging so much more often right now. Um, and that's wonderful to see. And it, this is uh, down to adoption of online uh, um, shopping, of online channels, mobile. Um, adoption of mobile, certainly a device um, where you're more comfortable to check in more often, but also our broadened uh, reach and our broadened marketing portfolio, where we're dip dipping into many more um, relevant, uh, particularly digital um, marketing channels right now and are seeking um, to extend that further, also with the help of uh, partners that we might bring on later in the year. Um, but let's speak a little about new customers. Um, so in addition to those active customers, new customers um, are, are very uh, um, ties. We just speak a little about, you know, is that a trendy brand? And I do believe Lens End is a trendy brand in the sense of being trendy, meaning um, people being interested in engaging on a topic. And they certainly engage on the topic of being comfortable particularly in these um, continued unprecedented times, I think they're still seeking for that comfort, for that level of security. Um, and that comes in clothing. Uh, and when we say, let's get comfy, um, we certainly do mean wearing our fashion is comfortable. Absolutely. No compromise. However, it goes far beyond just that 
wearing comfort. Um, it goes into um, providing that, you know, well-rounded, you know, 360 sustainability approach that starts with one closet, where one item in our collection can be uh, so much more than um, just a swim top, for example. We have that versatile tile um, uh, swimwear range. Um, we do make sure that our items can be um, uh, dressed up and dressed down, uh, just depending on the need. So um, there is the need to invest in less items. And that takes me to quality, which is uncompromised in the business. And quality is first, always. That is part of delivering service for our customer. It's about fit, getting the fit right, that customer can feel comfortable. And that's in the whole context of, you know, one of our strategic assortment pillars, which is um, we fit everybody. And we truly mean it. No matter what body shape, how you feel, we fit everybody and we make sure that everyone can feel comfortable in their beautiful bodies. Um, okay, but let's get a little bit more um, specific about the channel question. Um, so we are asking the question because uh, 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 many followers of this podcast uh, were, uh, were educated uh, by Google Ads. And then the question is, always, okay, how much money would you have spent like for a new customer on, on Google ads or Facebook ads or um, or LinkedIn ads. Mm -hmm. And we all know that those channels became uh, much more expensive over the last year because of yep. the uh, money printing <laughs> uh, issue where a lot of money lands actually at, uh, um, at uh, um, Facebook and um, the Google ad managing um, system. So are these channels for you that are important or would you rather go for a Super Bowl ad, for example, <laughs> uh, 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 presenting your, no, your new uh, uh, fashion line? Performance marketing is first um, for us as an e-commerce company. Um, and uh, I think it wouldn't be credible if I said those channels weren't um, important for us. Of course, they are. And they are um, a key part in our marketing strategy. What I can say, though, is that we managed to operate at very effective ad ratios, um, particularly last year, but we continue with the mix we have, uh, continue to operate um, at uh, at decent at ratio. So we can make that still a very profitable new customer driving activity. We are present on social, however, not as deep. Um, and we go very, very targeted um, on social. Um, and we complement um, those channels that can easily become very, very um, expensive if you need to ramp them up, particularly beyond a certain level. Um, we complement with Partner marketing, um, we have very strong partners through which we have generated um, a, a high amount of new customers. That's more engaging partner programs, um, reward programs where we're participating. Uh, we're looking at bringing on a new partner um, for Europe um, in that context. Um, uh, we seek partnerships with um, other retailers that are, you know, in er different areas, but have a very similar customer base. So there's a win-win situation um, leveraging both customer bases. Um, yeah, I think um, operating a wide portfolio and seeking opportunities and not necessarily being um, mono-channel in marketing is essential because we can always pull back if, you know, ad ratios become uh, unfavorable for us, we pull into different channels. And I think that's part of the success we had to consistently de deliver high numbers in our NCAs. 
And I just clicked on your Instagram channel and I saw that the second post is Oprah Winfrey. And I yes. first said, okay, well, yeah, that, that must be an expensive uh, influencer no. corporation, but uh, she she's just wearing your sweater. She <laughs> and is. you're tagging her uh, uh, that she's wearing it. I know. And that's that's a wonderful um, collection. That's actually our Fauna Stripe collection. Um, this was um, the whole collection, the Fauna Stripe collection started when we were thinking about 25 years in Germany and how we would celebrate it. And it started as a Fauna Stripe collection, a collection that really went back to uh, the roots of the company and the stripes uh, represent the maritime um, theme, um, the stripes on the, um, the old yacht um, of Gary Coma. Lovely collection, very contemporary um, across all you know um, categories, um, and uh, yet to launch in Germany. <laughs> What oh. is the price yeah. for the sweater Oprah's wearing? So just the people get an understanding across the price range you're selling here. So she is. I think she's wearing a serious sweat, um, and there would be uh, I want to say 69 euros. Okay. So even the billionaire, I think she's a billionaire, but uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I think she is. So even she is shopping on uh, on Lens and uh, when she wants to feel comfy. Which I want to say speaks for the trendiness of the brand. Yeah, that's in, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that's interesting thing. Yeah, that's why I was asking you about uh, uh, the channels because um, you are uh, you are you are a German background and you know there's like a, a lot of like German mid market brands. Yeah, like. Uh, uh, like Esprit, as Oliver, and, and many more. And they all have a problem actually position itself. It's like mid-market is uh, is eventually leading to death because mid-prices, mid-quality, mid-whatever, there's no differentiation uh, uh, um, at all. And that's what I tried a little bit to, to understand. Um, mm -hmm. But there's not yet a, a production promise saying it's it's all... All the whole um, production chain is sustainable. Everything is produced. I don't know in the US or in Portugal or, or, or whatever. It's it's still. I, I don't want to say like standard fashion procedures, mm -hmm. but uh, but you're not like um, I don't know son of a tailor uh, t-shirts only producing uh, where every tiny piece of the t-shirts or or sweatshirts um, uh, can be can be looked up in a sustainability um, database that's not the case yet right so our sustainability agenda which we released uh, beginning of the year um, states uh, full traceability of fabric by 2025 and we are We are, we are focused on, on working on this and we're rather stating, you know, a, um, a date that we definitely make and uh, hopefully over um, deliver. However, we have always um, been sustainable, say, for example, in uh, how we uh, source cotton. Um, we have started very early in using less water, no water at all for uh, denim production. Um, that's one of our targets. Um, and we have, uh, particularly here in Europe, switched packaging to being um, fully recyclable. We have a zero landfill operation um, in the UK. And we're looking at uh, um, uh, not just recycling, but also um, using recycled um, material in the first place at 90%, 100%. Right now, uh, um, and that's um, that's going uh, into further um, discussion soon. And, uh, and um, uh, okay, I got this. How, how many how many products are we talking about? You're selling today on your online shop. So it it depends on the season. Um, how many product we are, um, we are selling? And I think we are speaking about uh, roughly. 
Depends. Um, 3,000, 5,000 styles, that's times color. Color can be up to 10 colors um, and then sizes. Okay. And um, and this is fully focused on fashion and fashion accessoires, uh, uh, most likely, but there's nothing left and right uh, from it. So I can't, for example, buy lens and furniture, which would be the next logical step because you obviously want to have comfy furniture if you're like wearing comfy fashion. That would be my take from a product management perspective, but I'm pretty sure uh, you've tried this out already. It's a wonderful segue. Thank you. So right now we are soft focused. That's fashion. That's accessories. We do have pet accessories as well. Uh, we have a strong home business um, as in bedding, towel. Um, but in general, it's fashion. However, um, in the US, we've launched our lens and this marketplace this year which does carry furniture, which does carry other assortment as well, including uh, um, heart. And uh, we are looking at uh, um, launching Lens in this Marketplace next year for Europe, which then will also give us an opportunity to carry broader assortment. What does it mean, Marketplace? So third-party merchants are selling through the LensN.com e-commerce platform? Correct. We will provide the infrastructure. We will provide the visibility of the product. However, it will be fulfilled by the partner. And how are how are the partners onboarding the products? Because when I'm following the trajectory of other fashion platforms in uh, in Europe, and you might have seen what Otto did, uh, it, yep. it was a very manual process for the first year. Mm -hmm. So they had a very... Yep very few selected merchants and those merchants had to upload the CSV files with some, yeah. some storage in information, some picture information, but there was no, uh, there was no um, self-serving, uh, self-serving structure, which was um, actually um, a price to pay if you're, if you're going with a sweet, a uh, uh, sweet vendor like Salesforce, because then, then you're not able to migrate to a platform uh, approach. They, they yeah. were not they were not offering it. So so how does it work at uh, uh, at Lensend? Yeah, I've said I'm in a very uh, lucky position here in Europe because we have our global center of competence and the US team. So typically, uh, spearhead and test for us and uh, implement first. So we will take what works well in the US typically as a fast follower. And in that case, we are a fast follower. The US has successfully launched and we're using an integrator uh, who will facilitate the process for us of uploading um, the product and integrating um, with the uh, third parties, the partners. Okay, but but, it, but you will find those products on lensend.com, and uh, they might be yeah. they might be labeled as sold by I don't know uh, Constanze or um, Alex or whoever the vendor, whatever right. the vendor uh, um, is, and there's now a sourcing team uh, particularly focused on picking vendors, trying to trying to align it with the style and quality and uh, product promise from from lens end uh, um, which is like which, which is the right thing to do from my point of view because that's what we are talking in many podcasts here this kind of uh, um how to how to uh how to um yeah improve from the e-commerce 1.0 model we're really relying on your product margin like your production price versus your selling price getting mm -hmm. into a service Uh, getting into service revenue. So you need to migrate into a platform. Uh, and now, as you've described, you're winning more and more customers from quarter to quarter. And um, that might be a good entry point for other brands that don't have the visibility for their products, but a good fit uh, uh, with, your, with, your, with, with your customers. Uh, so would you agree on this, state, on this statement that over time, there must be more and more, let's say, 
third-party service revenue streams that are all starting with a platform approach? Yes. Um, however, we will always have a focus uh, on our core product. Um, we will always um, push our own web shop. However, I do think that there will be great win-win-win um, situations when we bring on the right band brands. And as you said, they need to fit um, our positioning. They need to fit our um, vision, our ethics, um, and they need to, you know, um, target the right customer group um, that we are able um, to to bring onto um, our website. Um, but I do agree that we need to move on. We can't just, you know, um, stick to Uh, the web shop. There's so much more opportunity and uh, further opportunity growing digitally um, will be growing with what we call third-party marketplaces. That is marketplaces that other um, retailers operate and we use to sell our product. Like Zalando, for example. In, uh, like Zalando, uh, for example, in, where we yeah. launched uh, a month ago. Yep. Hmm. So yeah, I, I always try to be a little bit careful with with the we will always do something because uh, uh, especially in digital that uh, uh, that that is uh, something that's not aging well very often. So mm -hmm. I hope it it works it works for you. Uh, you. But uh, maybe can we focus a little bit on the marketplace strategy because I've, I'm fully sure. aligned with you when it comes to um, having a, a very good product proposition. Obviously, uh, um, obviously growing uh, uh, with your existing customers, uh, which is done by by widening the assortment, growing into new categories, building a platform. So because in the platform economy, that is the, um, the ultimate goal. You want to have access to your customers. And then whenever they think about comfy stuff, they should think about the brand lens end. Now, if we're thinking about a Zalando, or you could even integrate uh, with um, Amazon in the US, that is uh, that is more important for fashion um, over there, or an ASOS in UK, for example, um, You're not only the customer there, so they might look. Uh, they might they might might be looking for comfy stuff. They might be even searching lens end at um, Amazon today. I, I will try it out in a, in a second. I don't know what happens, uh, uh, but will be sent to other products. I understand from a pure brand perspective that you want to show up, but you won't get the access to the customers. Ultimately, you won't be able to send him emails. Uh, he will not get the full um, service treatment by Lens End, which is which was the market entry promise, as you said in in Germany. So, how do you try to manage that dilemma? Yeah, it certainly is a different way of engaging with the customer, and it is not a top-down way, as in a brand campaign, telling the com uh, uh, customer um, that Lens Lens End is the you know ultimate destination for comfort. Um, however, it's a bottom-up approach, convincing the customer um, of the uh, the brand's you know unique selling points, um, the comfort, the versatility, the functionality, the quality. Um, marketplaces, I think, you know, th the world is evolving, um, and we need to generate reach. Um, the ultimate goal is to make the lovely brand, um, everything that we have to offer to our customers, broadly available. And I can't really tell the customer where to shop. And there are customers who prefer to shop on Zalando. And there will be customers who prefer to shop on Amazon. And some customers might shop on Otto. And we do want to be there as a brand. We don't, do want to be there as a brand for our customers. We want to meet the customers um, where they are and then convince with our brand. Um, It is um, it is a reach approach. Um, it is also 
a new customer acquisition approach. Um, it is new customers we reach in in, in new channels. Yeah, I don't want to say it, it's wrong or so. It, to, mm. it could it, it could make sense uh, even um, it, even in a perspective where you say, okay, let's let's be there, try to lure them into our brand. Let's not uh, let's not upload our full assortment only like 100 top sellers, and then for the rest of the stuff, they need to go to lensend.com. Uh, so let's arbitrate the other platform, which uh, that would that may make uh, that that makes sense. Um, uh, but ultimately and and the good thing is you control your distribution channels you are direct to consumer you don't have uh, um, too many other retailers from my understanding so there won't be other retailers compete on price with you on other platforms i hope that is the case because that if is that the is the case then uh, you are uh, uh, i know this word we can't say in, in, in podcast but that happened to many other brands right they, I know. they try to sell to zalando uh, not to zalando but to amazon and then all the other Retailers where they sold their products in a wholesale yeah. um, style yeah. started to compete on price, and then you are lost. Yes. And then, yes. then you're losing the game. If you're, yeah. if you is... were, if you're looking at Zalando and ASOS as like a platform, okay, that's my way to win you customers. I try to do my job as best as I can. If Amazon is doing it better, so okay, uh, uh, that's it. Uh, but the question for me is, so where does it end? So I just uh, typed in lens end at Amazon.de. Mm -hmm. And then Amazon is showing me sponsored products, uh, not related at all, actually a book. <laughs> so the Amazon search engine yes. is, is kind of... There's a, uh, there's a place in the UK yeah. called Land's End. That's probably a travel guide. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, no it's, 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 it's Aubrey's End, uh, oh. Hope for a New Life. Also in, in German. Uh, and, but then the first product is uh, the North Face, then uh, a three-pack T-shirt, Jack and Jones, then... Um, A brand I've never heard about, Chikini. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's yes. a brand from Asia. So, but uh, I'm not the brand guy, and you know it. Uh, I don't know Urban Classic. So obviously, they don't tell the customer there's no lens end here. Please go to lensend.com, but try to lure in products where Amazon has yes. a margin uh, uh, with. So, and then coming back to your Zalando statement. So. The customer is there. I'm pretty sure if you're looking up Amazon keyword uh, uh, searches, many people will search for Lens and there. So uh, uh, what do you say when the customer account manager from Amazon is calling you and say, Constanze, please come to our platform? Well, as you can imagine, um, as uh, we have a growth strategy and that's e-commerce and digital, we have been thinking about Amazon. And in fact, um, it is on the agenda. However, um, we are still considering the right approach because Amazon is non-curated, is not known as a fashion platform, it's everything. So we have to find the right way of trading on Amazon. And we have a good team in the US and we're in close contact with the US, our Amazon team in the US. Um, they had recently very successful trading on Amazon. So we will take our lead and we will understand what they do well. And then we will define our strategy for Amazon in Europe. So on Amazon.com, if I type in Lens End, I can yep. find it. And, yes, but you then, can. As you're selling to Amazon.com, so Amazon could decide, okay, we just ship one of the containers you're anyway sending to our warehouses in the US to Europe and sell it here. They can do, and they do it with other brands. To, are you afraid of that strategy? Or, uh, um, or, or No. I mean, if they like to sell our brand... That's great. Uh, at one stage, we will take control of what's trading on Amazon. However, um, we take um, our time um, with that. I think we found a good platform with Zalando. There's other platforms that we consider a good fit with our brand, a great platform where um, 
lookalikes of those customers who really love our brand and our core customers um, uh, will likely shop for fashion. And uh, we will definitely not neglect uh, key players um, in the marketplace um, field. However, we do have to find the right approach for our brand. Mm. But but I guess Amazon is growing, uh, and Amazon. Um, we we talked about this uh, in another podcast. So Amazon in the US is known for uh, for fashion. There is no Zalando yes. yet in the um, US. There's Revolve, but way way, way smaller than than yes. uh, than uh, yeah. Zalando about you or any comparable company here. So that was uh, a thing we've discussed a lot with the. Yeah. Uh, with the founders of those companies, uh, mm -hmm. but let's see how this plays um, out eventually. So I understand this, um, and uh, so when there is a strategy where you believe you can migrate it into the European Amazon uh, platforms, uh, DE, uh, France, UK, then uh, then it's something something you uh, something you go for. Is there any apart from the uh, the product promise um, and obviously Comfy is the usp is there any like special sauce in there like about you it's always pitching with the influencer uh, uh strategy zalando is playing the the the, the, the size games or growing so fast becoming becoming so uh becoming so big so it's when 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 we could play uh mouse in the in the e-commerce decision maker meetings at at length end is there something where we are really proud of it? you say okay that is something the others can't copy so fast I want to say in every area of the business, there is something that really sets us apart. Um, start with the customer service that definitely sets us apart. And I could show you so many wonderful letters, um, uh, emails, comments uh, from customers that just say thank you for the service. And that's not necessarily because we did something extraordinary. We just made it a worthwhile lovely moment engaging uh engaging by the way is very very um, uh, important for us and uh, we are looking at that real-time more intense engagement with the customer through investing in a virtual assistant and a seamless experience um, from that virtual assistant over to that physical engagement with the actual um, customer care center um, so that's from a customer point of view i do want to say that from an e-commerce UXCX point of view, certainly our customer journey is differentiating. It is um, state of the art and we're investing uh, a lot in leveraging AI to inform and and and, and lead that journey. Uh, I, will, I will look this up. I will, will buy yeah. a comfy t-shirt after our, our comfy sweatshirt after, your, uh, after our call here and see what kind of emails I, I'm going to... I'm gonna, good, I'm good. Gonna, um, so the email process is something that we have been uh, working intensely on with our um, US team, just uh, migrated to a new provider. Um, uh, when I look into the assortment um, and the product team, certainly what sets us apart is, um, you know, where our, where our, you know, strategic pillars are. Uh, and one strategic pillar, as I mentioned, is we fit everybody. And I do believe that we are outstanding. Um, our fit, most companies, when it comes to larger sizes, um, they would just, you know, uh, make it a larger fit of a smaller size. We don't do that. We fit 
every size individually. We have an extensive, and in, in fact, the recent marketing campaign um, is all about the fit and there's a little content section where we showcase the team and how we do it. So that certainly does set us aside. Um, we also cater for specific needs. Our swim range has a mastectomy um, swimsuit um, to, uh, to just also recognize that, you know, um, that is something that we would like to feel someone um, comfortable with um, as well, um, going uh, uh, swimming or to the beach. Um, sustainability certainly is a very, very important uh, topic for us. And uh, we are more, more comfortable to um, also go public with where we have that consistent 360 sustainability um, in our product. Um, yeah, and when I think of our marketing, I think the uh, the breadth and the agility and how we uh, operate our performance channels is certainly something that has generated in that outstanding customer file growth um, that we're seeing and that is carrying the business um, yeah. right now. Yeah, I see on the, on the size uh, side, I was surprised that when I clicked the drop-down menu at Amazon, but if you're going to your, um, your uh, and this is, menu is very limited on Amazon. So if you're going to lensend.com, Uh, and then having here um, a yeah. women's polo shirt, you see like regular regular size, one, two, three, four, five size ranges. Mm -hmm. Then um, petite, that's like more, I don't know, smaller, smaller women. Yeah, smaller yep. women. Uh, <laughs> also four, five uh, and then four for tall women. That makes like 14 different Uh, yeah. um, so, uh, that that's a lot actually that's a lot of like size management <laughs> you have to you have to it is. It's, it's, it's it almost personalized uh um, sizing i talked with this a lot with the uh, with son of the founder a uh, son of a tailor uh a founder who also okay. was in the commerce talks podcast and yeah. they went from um from full customized products so i'm wearing a t-shirt from them right now mm -hmm. um also this to this sizing model so it makes more sense for them to offer more sizes because it usually even fits better than fully self-measured customized uh, um, shirts which leaves me uh, uh to the uh, to last question uh which is the customization of messaging there's a lot of talks about conversational commerce uh in the e-commerce uh, circus over the last like half year or so Is this a channel uh, you have you have gained some experience with? So are you reaching out to customers via WhatsApp or Telegram or in the US, uh, um, Facebook Messenger is uh, the main messaging channel. Is this something that works for you or where you say, okay, that could be the future of commerce? We've certainly trialed this. Um, in our customer base, we find um, that those are channels that do not necessarily give us the, um, the best engagement. Mm -hmm. the customer so right now we are focusing on different channels to engage uh we certainly do send customized uh, uh communication uh through all channels um that we deploy but one-on-one um, -on -one customized like hyper personalized not just I, high constanza and then same newsletter for all uh, uh for all people that ordered within the last four months yeah that is almost a philosophical discussion I'd love to have in a you know next podcast with you um, I've been there in a previous job that truly customized one-on-one -on -one. Um, and the question is um, from an impact point of view how much does true one-on-one -on -one yield um, um, uh, in, 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 in good efficiency and impact for the customer I think that's uh, that's something that yet needs to be truly proven however 
a level, a degree of customization to make it relevant, interesting, engaging for the customers, absolutely necessary these days. Otherwise, you won't get the attention of the customer. And this um, extends into AI-facilitated um, levels of more promotional engagement. Mm. Okay. It's not every customer needs the, the, the same message, a promotional message to engage. It's very interesting when we tested messaging, how some customer groups seem to respond more to an up to message, some respond to a flat message, some respond to a, a, a creative message. Um, and that is where we feel customization is um, where we can have greatest impact for our customer. Yeah. So I think that fits well into a statement I've heard uh, two or three weeks ago where um, somebody said, uh, I think it uh, it was Rupert Bodmeier, uh, who is a, was a consultant in Germany, who said, okay, the you have to think about your online shop as the end of the customer journey, not the <laughs> not the beginning of the customer journey, which fits into the statement that you have to, you have to really think about your messaging via email, um, curated uh, discounts are even more important than like curated um, top seller banners uh, in your in your online shop category. So I agree. If I receive a discount from a from I don't know a, a brand um, uh, uh, which I like, which is limited to this brand, I'm um, I'm way more aware to the discount code than like a general 20% Zalando uh, yeah. discount. Uh, I, I, I highly agree. Um, yeah, so we are coming to the end of the podcast. So uh, I, I'd like to follow up maybe in a later session or in a second test session this uh, year to see how your platform strategy works out in the Uh, um, in the in the US, and uh, I, I guess we will see in the future reportings uh, uh, um, the platform revenue. Uh, um, then, and I hope that this will be uh, that will be become like a major uh, part. I will definitely uh, try out your customer journey after this podcast yes. here and uh, order some comfy comfy stuff. Uh, um, I still have to figure out if I'm medium uh, petite or tall, uh, but I will definitely see in your size uh, finder. So thank you for you. your time, uh, uh, Constanze, and uh, uh, see you next time. Thank you very much. Great talk, Alex. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to rate this podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud or Spotify. Tell your friends and listen in again for the next episode where one of our guests will be from Okado, UK. Okay.